I remember being in Medellin, Colombia, and because we were hanging out with other digital nomads, it was mostly young 20-year-olds, which are awesome. Like we love hanging out with like that group, you know, kind of like the backpacker group. But I was saying to my husband, I'm like, nobody has kids. I feel like I'm the Mm. only one in the world doing this. You know, I'm like, no one's traveling like us. And then the more and more I started looking it up and finding other people and in certain countries where we went, we did meet other people doing it and we could really bond and connect. And our kids did as well because they were all in the same boat of like these, you know, parents traveling around and the kids were all like in this kind of, some were world schooled, some were homeschooled or some were just brought out of school or, and so you end up just meeting kids and people as you go. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Karshovsky, and welcome to episode 126 of That Remote Live podcast, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Chantel Patton, one part of the awesome YouTube channel Growing Up Without Borders, which at the time of this recording has over 56 thousand subscribers. Chantel, her husband, and their kids started growing up without borders four years ago to document their world travels while raising three kids traveling full time. Now, from this interview, you guys are going to learn three awesome things. How do Chantel and her husband educate their children while traveling full time? Number two, what inspired them to start a YouTube channel and how it's affected their children's life and growth? And finally, number three, you will learn why socializing homeschooled children, especially as full-time travelers, is really not as big of a deal as many people make it out to be. Now, you guys, this is just a small taste of all the awesome things Chantel and I discuss during this episode, so I am sure you're going to love it. But before we jump into the interview, I do want to tell you about the Parable Launch Party, which will be taking place on October 8th and 9th from 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. The launch party is completely free and you will be able to hear from some of the top thought leaders in the areas of online business, remote work, and location independence, and you will have the chance to ask them your top questions live. To register to this event, you guys, just head on over to joinparable.com forward slash launch. Again, that URL is joinparable.com forward slash launch. And you can, of course, find that link in the show notes if you don't want to remember it or you're unsure of the spelling. Again, you guys, the launch party is October 8th and 9th, and I'm so excited for you guys to join me there to celebrate the official launch of Parable, my new business and community, and get to hear from some amazing people. Uh, We're lining people up right now to speak and it's going to be already, it's going to be an amazing event. So I hope to see you guys there. But all right, you guys, without further ado, let's dive into this awesome conversation with Chantel Patton. All right, Chantel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to dive right in and be a part of your show. 
<laughs> I know I'm so excited to have you on because like we were talking before we hit record, uh, a lot of people who live the digital nomad lifestyle are, you know, maybe they're single, maybe they have a partner, but very few uh, have kids and even fewer have kids that are uh, your kids ages. And so I'm so excited for you to come on uh, and, you know, kind of share your experience as a family, you know, traveling all over the world. Uh, how many, tell us a little bit about how all of this started. I know that you set off on a short trip that ended up kind of never ending, right? So how did all of this uh, start for you? And, and why did you guys decide to like never really end that trip? Um, oh, wow. Okay. I guess if I back it up a little bit, um, when it first initially started, it was just a innocent, let's get out of these freezing cold winters and escape the snow and get faster internet. So we went down to Florida at this time, because I'm kind of backing our story up, if you will, before we started full-time travel. Um, mm -hmm. Our girls were, she, our daughter was four weeks old. Like she was just newborn. And we had a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And we we're like, let's get out of here. So we went to Florida. And we did this on and off thing back and forth, like the snowbirds do, right, um, for about six years. And then our daughter and was five years. Where were you guys jumping back and forth from, like Florida so and? Canada. So just oh, okay. above New York, uh, upper New York, basically, just above the border mm -hmm. there. And um, so if anyone's experienced a cold winter you know what i'm talking about it's just horrible like it's it's really bad people are like oh is it really that bad i'm like yeah it is you know <laughs> <laughs> so enough so that we we did that move and everything we had set up prior to allowed us to be able to work remotely so it just so happened to be perfect timing and um our kids were young enough that it didn't really matter education wise you know they were small enough that we can just skip winter and then go back. So we did that. And then we did enroll them in school and such for a while. And one of my friends was like, you know, for what you're paying for school, you could just travel with that money. And I'm like, huh, you know, you're, you're right. You know, I could, but then I'd have to homeschool and how would that work? So we thought, well, let's just go on this little trip to Europe. And again, at the time I was a little bit nervous because I was like imagining traveling with three kids to Europe and doing a few countries. Like we had planned to go for five weeks and I was like, oh, how's this going to work? Checking in and out of hotels, like meals. Like that was a big concern for me. How is it going to work with food? Because they're going to be picky and then not want to eat the next, you know, their meal and then they're going to be hungry. And, you know, all those thoughts go through your head when you're a mom. And my husband found this website at the time and it was called Eurocamp. And they were in these like beautiful locations all throughout Europe, really on the most beautiful beaches. And they were like set up so well for families. They had internet, they had kids clubs, and you had like this full contained kind of unit that you could stay in. And it was just amazing. So we did that for five weeks. And as we passed through the country of Switzerland, I'm half Swiss, actually. So my dad was born and raised in Switzerland. So I had friends from there because previously I had lived there for a little bit in my teenage years. And long story short, one of my friends, she's like, oh, let's do a house exchange. I'll go to Florida for a month. You stay at my place in Switzerland for a month. And we'll just like do this house exchange thing, right? So that really got our heads spinning because we're like, oh, this is really good. We were enjoying the whole Swiss Riviera and there was a jazz festival happening. It was just like everything was perfect. And we thought we don't want this to end. So five weeks turned into three months. 
And we thought, right, we'll go back to Florida, but then we'll come right back to Europe again and do like a test run of three months and see if we can, you know, manage school and work schedules and language and all these different things that became challenges of like staying somewhere overseas, right? So we did. And then after those three months, things just kept lining up. And we just kept taking like an extra step, I guess, of you could call it like flying by the sea of your pants. Some people call it like faith, you know, taking a step of faith each time. But everything kept lining up for us. And we we're like, oh, we don't want to stop, you know. So anyway, we had the kids enrolled into a French school, um, which was great. And every time we could, we would take them out of school on holidays. And the holiday system there was pretty sporadic throughout the year where we could take mm -hmm. a couple weeks and then we would extend those two weeks and say, okay, we're going to take an extra two weeks on those two weeks. And then it became like an extra couple months and then it became four months. So it kind of evolved like that. It just didn't happen like full time, but yeah. it did happen pretty fast. After two years of doing that, they were like, you can't do this anymore. You know, you, you can't <laughs> keep like, taking you your quit. kids out of school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like one of the teachers was fully supported, you know, really happy to help us out. And the other one was like, no, dudes, this is not fair for the other kids in the class. And we're like, well, it's not fair, you know. <laughs> but anyhow, the direction said you can't take them out of school anymore. And so we were like, I guess we'll homeschool our kids then. And that became... Mm full-time freedom for us because now we weren't tied down to a school system. We weren't tied down to anything and we can just go and come as we please. So then we really started like the full-time travel. That's when you so ramped it up. Mm, yeah. So we still have like a base, but it didn't tie us down. Like we could just, we can leave for a month and extend it to four months if mm -hmm. we wanted to, or nine months or whatever it was. So yeah, it kind of, that's why I said it kind of evolved into it. So to kind of, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about what it was that you kind of set up when you were still in Canada that allowed you to jump back and forth. Because I think a lot of people are going to be like, okay, this is very interesting, but what was it that you did? Like, what were you doing for a living at the time? Because this isn't, you know, I think post 2020 and 2021, people are kind of like, yeah, I, I get the remote work thing, but what mm -hmm. were you doing at the time for a living? that allowed you to be remote and location independent in that way? Yeah. Okay. So if I back up, when my husband and I were first married, we actually had joined like network marketing groups and we were often like people prospecting us and stuff. And one of the things we took out of learning what their systems were and stuff was residual income, building something that gives you a residual income. And, you know, mm -hmm. some people do insurance sales, others do, I don't know, whatever kind of residual incomes there are out there. Well, we started an online advertising platform where we advertised local businesses on different websites for them. So we had established that in one city and it took off really well. And it was like an online wedding planner. It still exists, but it, advertising and marketing has shifted quite a bit. Um, but from there, we went to the next city and we literally built it up from ground floor to like what it was. And it gave us a really good, solid residual income every month of money coming in um, every month, every month, every month. And so with that, we were able to literally be anywhere we wanted to with the knowledge of, okay, we're going to get this much. Cause it's one thing like, and we, we do do a lot of hands-on work as well. So we were managing websites and marketing and stuff like that. But anytime you have like a one-off sale, the next month you're starting off at grand zero and you have to go make those mm -hmm. sales again, unless you have a business that, you know, online sales now, all that's changed. So a lot of people do have, you know, whether it's selling jewelry or whatever they're doing, they do get that ongoing amount of sales. But, it, you know, we, we wanted to establish that. And that's what we had done. So we worked our butts off, 
uh, got it to a certain level and it just basically gave us that time freedom and um, yeah, location independence was the huge, the biggest thing. So we could be anywhere and still run our business. So that's what we did. And is that what you guys are doing to this day traveling or is that, or have you started something new? Like what is your current business that still allows you to, to work? Yeah. So almost four years ago we had seen, because we always like, once we started traveling, we loved it so much. And we were like, how can we make this our business, like travel our business? Mm. And, you know, at the time, like everyone was blogging and I'm not much of a writer. And I was like, how and everybody else is doing it. And I thought, then we're putting our family out there and everyone's going to see, you know, our life. And I really didn't want to be in the spotlight. Well, but then, then my kids were like, oh, watching all these YouTube channels. And we started researching some of the money behind building a YouTube channel and what it works. And it was all into the online advertising and marketing kind of mindset that we're already in. And when we saw the potential, we're like, oh my gosh, like we're traveling anyway. All we have to do is document it and then market our channel. And so we started Growing Up Without Borders, which is our YouTube channel. And we're really pushing that to become our, like take over our other business, if you will. So we can kind of slowly ease out of that and make this our full time. So that would be online sponsorships through our videos, Mm -hmm. you know, the Google ads, of course, and different things like that. And then online courses. So our kids started an online course called um, Geography Made Fun, which is because they've been to almost 100 countries. So they've experienced food and culture and language and costumes or, you know, outfits and all these different things. So And geography, to be honest, when you're sitting, depending on your teacher, if you get a monotone teacher, it could be kind of boring for kids. So because they're teaching Mm. from their perspective, it's fun, it's interactive, and it's their trips that they share as they talk about it. So we started that as an online course. So your kids started that business? Yeah. Well, like with our help, obviously, we're the ones backing it. And yeah, yeah, we're, (laughs) yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. So at the moment, you guys are... Just to, if I'm understanding correctly, you're, you're you're still running that original advertising business that you launched and you're sort of kind of transitioning into being fully on YouTube. And you guys have a great YouTube channel, by the way. Uh, Thank you. I mean, it doesn't seem like you guys have missed a video in like four years. Uh, you know, you, you guys stay on like a very consistent schedule. And I even saw some places that I've been on there that I was immediately like, oh, like, let's see what, what they thought about this place. Oh, uh, um, that's so, so cool. That really I wish... Fun. I wish we would have done it. You know, we we had already traveled to like, I think more than 80 countries before we decided to have a YouTube channel. It's a shame because like being in Bulgaria, for example, we were there in Sofia and we had such wacky, crazy like, stories. Like even we drove through the Ukraine. Um, like just if I, if I wish I could have recorded some of the scenarios we were in, um, they were hilarious, you know, and of course the kids were quite small, but anyway, it is what it is. Like it's, we still have the last four years of what we've done. So we'll just have to go back to all those countries that we didn't <laughs> <That's> film. <laughs> right. Does it, does it even count if it's not on YouTube? I feel like you guys need to start the, the, you know, the country counter from when you, you started the videos. No, yeah, for joking. some people but, it doesn't. Um, Cause they're like, dude, you haven't <laughs> been my country yet. And we're like, well, we were, but we didn't record it. <laughs> That's right. So I want to hear a little bit more about how the kids feel about all of this because i know people who have it's almost like it like the people that i know who travel with kids either travel with them with them when they're really young and so they you know it's before they enter the school system um 
or they kind of travel like later on when the kids are kind of like more grown up. So what has been like, how do the kids feel about all this? Because like, do they realize that they're living like a very different lifestyle from 99.9% of the rest of the kids? I wonder if they think it's different because I think they realize it's different when they interact with other kids. Also more so like they just I think they notice a difference between certain kids like, you know, uh, anyway, that's <laughs> just like a side observation. But um, I don't think they realize how like in our case, like how cool it is and how lucky it is, you know, and I, from our perspective. But it is hard in one sense at the same time with friends, you know, they're coming to the age where having a true friend that you see every day that you just don't get that when you're traveling all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think we realize it more as soon as we start to settle. So because of COVID, we've been here in New Zealand for over a year and a half and they're starting to build up relationships. And so it's like the thought of like Ugh, leaving again is not a good feeling. Whereas when you're constantly on the move, it's just your norm, you know, it's just normal. So it doesn't really phase you so much, I think, you know, mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the, like the big, like whenever, I, uh, whenever I talk, you know, my wife and I are now both 28 and you start getting these like questions from like, you know, other people are like, or oh, like you're thinking about having kids, you know, this kind of stuff. And one of the things that always comes up is like, you know, well, like you're going to have to stop traveling because, you know, kids need to make friends. So how did you guys handle that? What was that experience like and how did it affect the kids when you were full-time traveling? I know that, like you said, you've been in New Zealand for uh, quite a while now, so it's going to be a different experience. But is that like, you know, are all of those concerns from, you know, everybody valid? And like, how did the no. kids, you know, socialize <laughs> with others? Oh, gosh, no. I mean, it's so funny eh? when you talk about homeschooling. And that was in my head, too. Eh? Like, I mm -hmm. used to be like, oh, like socialization. How do like homeschooled kids socialize and stuff? But the reality is, is especially I mean, it's not like you're on some remote farm in the middle of nowhere when you're traveling. <laughs> you're like meeting people. You're interacting in markets. You're doing things and you meet other travelers, believe it or not. I mean, when we first set off, I remember being in Medellin, Colombia, and because we were hanging out with other digital nomads, it was mostly young 20 year olds, which are awesome. Like we love hanging out with like that group, you know, kind of like the backpacker group. But I was saying to my husband, I'm like, nobody has kids. I feel like I'm the mm. only one in the world doing this. You know, I'm like, no one's traveling like us. And then the more and more I started looking it up and finding other people and in certain countries where we went, we did meet other people doing it and we could really bond and connect. And our kids did as well because they were all in the same boat of like these, you know, parents traveling around and the kids were all like in this kind of, some were world schooled, some were homeschooled or some were just brought out of school or, and so you end up just meeting kids and people as you go. And in certain countries, you end up meeting more of those type of travelers and others you don't. Like when we went throughout Africa, I'm trying to think, like there was maybe a couple times where we met up with families with kids, but the rest of the time, it was like our kids were hanging out with like older people, like, and they were hanging out with them. Like they were playing cards with backpackers and it was completely fine. You know what I mean? And up with a 70 year old and they were painting with them. So they like, they're, the age barrier thing doesn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. When we were up in Laos, we were we stayed the <sighs> night because we kind of got stuck up there instead of coming back down. And our girls at the time were they weren't too old, but they ended up hanging and playing with a two year old. And they weren't like, oh, this isn't cool. This is a two year old who literally, you know, 
had nothing. Like there was no judgment. There was no like none of that. And so I think you they just become more um, diverse and open to just hanging out with anyone. But socialization has yeah. never been a problem. I think that this is a common thread, even like if you don't have kids, because, you know, it was something that my wife and I really experienced when we started traveling was that we kind of missed those friendships that we had in the US that, you know, you're living in the same place, you know, you're hanging out with the same people and you kind of miss this like, oh, I just wish I could, you know, go down to the bar and have like a friends, you know, or how I met your mother experience where, you know, you know that your friends are there and that kind of stuff. But the thing is that the more time that you spend doing this, the more friends that you make that also do what you do. And so like the same way that you guys maybe meet up with the same couple and, and kids, you know, as you travel around, we do that as well with our friends. We're like, oh, you're going to Bulgaria? Okay, we're going to go to Bulgaria. You're going to Mexico? Okay, cool. Like, Let's meet up in Mexico for a few months. And so yeah. once you kind of form that little community of other digital nomads and location-dependent people, you kind of start to like, like you know, travel together in like a, in, in a different way. Um, yeah, because like community is so important and it is the thing that depending on the country you go to and sometimes the language that they speak in that country, you can feel isolated and lacking community. But I mean, then again, when you have your family, that becomes your little community, but it's still not the same. It's not like having your girlfriend that you go, like you said, hang out with, go have a drink, you know, whatever. So, but yeah, I mean, it's give or take, right? You got to weigh out the pros and the cons and such, but um in our case, like we do go back and they do have a home base that we call home. So they do get that little time with, you know, their friends and so on and so forth. So, yeah. Mm. So tell me a little bit about the different schooling options, because I feel like now it's not so much that there is no option for how to like, you know, quote unquote, the homeschool. I feel like there's a whole bunch of different versions of homeschooling. So can you tell me a little bit about what are some of the options that people can, uh, you know, consider if they have kids and are thinking about traveling full time? And what did you choose and, and why in terms of educating your kids? Really good question. Um, okay. So if you're considering like small young ones, there's different programs out there. The one that we are currently using it's all online and then they have an offline version as well, which works good for us when we're traveling because certain spots don't have the greatest of internet. Um, and basically they log on and they're all self-taught. So if you were talking about a younger child, that would be a real challenge because they're not going to sit there and do their own lessons without some parent behind them helping them and such. But there are uh, a lot of online curriculums that are kind of fun and animated for that younger generation, which is fantastic. Um, and yeah, they can learn pretty much with mom and dad's help. Right. But our kids, like they're, they're learning pretty much on their own, which is crazy. And just this coming week, my kids are going to be actually attending a real high school, but it's an online high school for people like us, for, for athletes or actors or people who can't physically necessarily be there, or they might be in certain countries and want a better education for their kids. So anyhow, it's called Crimson Global Academy. It's, uh, it's a company or a school that started based out of New Zealand, actually the, the guy who started it. And so they're going to have real teachers. So 
full-on classroom like schedule homework and we're all so nervous or at least I am um, because we've had all this like freedom with no schedules we can move anytime and I'm like how's this going to work when we're on a bus in the middle of nowhere or a train or whatever we're doing a ferry and then you know we're going to have to figure it all out but they're very flexible in the schedules. So I was able to like shift a lot of them at nighttime so that if we're out during the day filming something, we can be there. And um, so that's what we're doing. But there's so many options and homeschooling and some of the curriculums that are out there give you so much freedom just to do it at your own pace. You know, you can take a month off if you're busy and then come back and, you know, it's all just different variations. But we're really excited about this one because they're going to have full on real teachers, you know, strict homework. I'm not sure about how this is all going to work, but <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty and, cool. And how does that, <clears throat> because I think, you know, one of the concerns is, okay, well, how does that work with like, if my kids decide they want to go to college later on, you know, okay. where well, the whole conversation of like, whether that's useful or not, you know, like we can leave for like another time, but like, you know, how does all of this feed into, you know, like the more structured versions of higher education later on? Like, how do you take like a homeschooling education uh, and experience to then be uh, accepted, so to say, by like a higher education uh, institution. Mm -hmm. So you, in the United States, anyway, I'll talk for as if we're in the United States. I know there's people from around the world because every country mm -hmm. is different. Um, but in the U.S., you're the parents who are the homeschoolers or the school, the directors, they give them the proper credits based on what they've accomplished. And then they can submit that some states would have it where you have to send in every year, um, where our girls are registered, they actually have to go do some tests. And like I said, every country is different. So because our base is Switzerland, their mandatory school stops at 16. And then kids either go into professional school, apprenticeship programs, or they finish their college, which is high school. So it, mm. it really is like, it just varies. But um, for the most part, I think if you're looking to get them into a certain school or something like that. A lot of the times, and this is just what I've heard, but they often prefer homeschool kids who have that work ethic and have been homeschooled. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if that's fully true or if it's just people who have said that, but I've seen many videos on it and it's quite interesting. I could see that being the case because they have the desire to learn and they're already willing to learn on their own. Um, that's one of the skills that they kind of adapt to and learn as they're being homeschooled because it's not like a teacher telling them all the time what to do. You know what I mean? So, I mean, and that depends probably on the household as well, because there are some families that are just like, oh, well, whatever, you know, learn whatever you want to do today. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, so how do you strike that balance? Because I've heard that before as well, that like one of the benefits with like homeschooling or unschooling is the other um, kind of term that I've heard is that, you know, they get to do whatever they want to do and they kind of like get to learn whatever they want to learn. So how do you strike that balance between like, hey, go do all of that and like, you know, like learn whatever you want to learn, but at the same time, like make sure that they're actually doing something and not like playing World of Warcraft or something, you know? Yeah, like I don't really believe in the whole unschooling, if you call it a system, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe in world schooling in the sense that they learn while they're traveling. Like in our case, our girls have learned more in geography than they would have ever learned in a whole university mm -hmm. 
school, you know, um, same with history. They've learned so much history hands-on by going to museums and learning as we go. Um, but when it comes to like structure and actual learning, I think it's really important to have something in place. That's like an actual curriculum that they follow mm. that's structured. And, you know, cause if not, I don't know how, like, but it, again, I'm a true believer that if you don't want to be an architect or an engineer, well, you don't necessarily need to take your calculus and certain things that you need, depending on what. But I do believe that every child should have a good foundation so that if they choose to do that, then they can mm. excel and do that, right? So sorry to all so you what does, um... out there listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> what does a, a regular day kind of look like for you guys? I know that at the moment you guys are, you know, pretty based uh, in, in New Zealand, but when you were traveling before COVID hit, how do you manage working, running your business, getting to travel and, you know, kids schooling at the same time? How What does yeah. like a regular day like look like? Oh, there is no such thing as a regular day. And it's, um, this is what I'm worried about. Like we're planning our exit strategy, leaving the countries we're going to be going to. And I'm like, whoa, we're going right back into this whirlwind. Like when we're in travel mode, it's pretty intense. Um, we tend to go, go, go. But sometimes we take breaks when we're enjoying a place and we like it. We're like, we just settle for a little bit and just kind of play catch up, I guess you can say. Our kids, they do school all year round. So we don't really get breaks and our breaks happen when we're in these transitional things or me moving or filming or sightseeing, you know, because when we go to a place, let's say we land in, I don't know, wherever we go, we tend to try and do all the attractions and see it all so that we can then share it on our YouTube channel. So we're really intently there um, with purpose, you can say. And so sometimes homework gets put behind, especially if we're staying in a hotel, you know, cause there's just not a proper setup for us to be all sitting down at a mm. desk. I mean, we, we work, but it's probably very dysfunctional for a lot of people, but we make it work because that's what we do. Right. Um, so we, we've tried to do things a little different. Like we now try and stay at least a week in a certain spot, unless we really don't like the area, you know, we keep moving on. We try, like I keep saying, we need to move on weekends so that we have Monday through to Thursday more of a like structured, you know, system going on. Um, but we just follow certain things. So like on a daily basis, we have to do this, 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 and we know we need to get those things done. And we just try and get that done within and amongst all the moving around. And then our girls sometimes, and like I was saying, that's why homeschooling mm -hmm. for us was so flexible. Um, I have no idea how we're going to do this with this online school, but this is a whole new challenge. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great because if they couldn't do their homework, then they could just double up on a day that they could. You know what I mean? So it just mm -hmm. worked out for us that way. Yeah. It's crazy that you, that even like the week is your minimum because even for us, like, you know, we're, we don't have kids, but traveling every week to me sounds like so like so often, like, you know, like working and running a business like that would be very, I feel like that'd be really hard on our productivity. How do you manage to stay productive and, you know, kind of like do your best work if you're moving that often? Well, because our business was residual, the workload was few. We do have uh, a lot of team players that are involved in every day-to-day -day action. So my role is more so overseeing. However, I lost my main admin after, let me think where we were. 
it was like after we were through Central America or something like that, like in and around mm-hmm. that time. And she was like my right hand. So she knew every ins and outs of me. She wrote emails on my behalf. Like I really could step away from my business and just run the business versus have to be in it, which allowed me to then focus on growing our YouTube channel and filming and doing the production there. Cause that takes a lot of time as well. Right. So Mm -hmm. this is more where we're leaning towards. So when we go out, our, our work is travel. So when we go to a city, we're out there filming and then producing the content and such. So, Mm -hmm. um, so even though we're traveling, that's become our work, I guess you could say. Mm. So do you have any tips for like, you know, you mentioned staying in hotels and we rarely stay in hotels because it's so hard to make a hotel feel your own. You know, yeah. like that's why we prefer to do Airbnbs or, uh, you know, staying in, in, in different, like using different services like that. Do you have any tips for people who are traveling and want to sort of like get that aspect of a place like even if it's a hotel like how do you find your own little place that you can be productive in even if everything around you is sort of mayhem like how do you how are you guys able to do that um when we stay at hotels it's very hard and we usually look up the youth hostels in the area because they Mm. usually have um a lot of people that are digital nomads going through so often a they have good internet (laughs) that's what we found And um, the atmosphere there is like, okay, to go sit down and work for a few hours. Uh, We found like there's different chains of hotels or youth hostels that are in and around that all have high speed internet. So we've done that. But our biggest kind of um, eye opening and revolutionized the way we travel is a, a website that we use. And there's several, but the one we mainly use is Home Exchange. And Mm. that has been phenomenal because now we're staying in homes, we have full out kitchens, we have a proper, you know, table with enough room to put our laptops out on. Um, You get all the amenities of a home, just like an Airbnb, but Airbnbs are like even more sterile. You know, some of them are more, you know, you really have the bare minimums. Whereas when we were doing home exchange, we're staying in people's homes. They have all the like spices, you know, and those are the things that if you're moving every week, you don't have to go buy new ones and such. Um, the places that we stay like in hotels are sometimes in countries that are just a little bit um, maybe less easy or we're passing through fast. You know what I mean? That, you know, doing a full exchange or mm-hmm. a full Airbnb. But yeah, we're like you, like we prefer to stay in that kind of atmosphere than a hotel. Yeah. We've also done a lot of partnerships now that we have our YouTube channel. So we've done a lot of partnerships with different um, resorts or those type of places. So then when we're doing that, then we go and showcase it in our channel in exchange for staying there. So we've done a lot of that as well, which is great Mm because it's kind of brought travel, uh, reduced a lot of the cost of travel. (laughs) Right. I'm sure. Uh, Let's chat a little bit about the YouTube channel because I am curious about how that has developed because I think a lot of people would like love this idea of making travel their work, right? And like being able to, uh, you know, essentially say like, hey, I'm going to go travel and sightsee in the city. And like, that is legitimately my my job, right? How, before we jump into kind of like any tips that you have and what has been your experience growing the YouTube channel, I'm curious about how has the YouTube channel and building that up, and especially now that you guys have such a sizable audience, how has that affected 
the kids, you know, like how do they kind of, you know, growing up in, you know, not only are they growing up without borders, they're also growing up on a YouTube channel, right? So how has that kind of affected them? Um, hmm. I mean, hasn't really like changed them all that much other than like, sometimes they'll get recognized and it's like cute and fun because we're not that huge but we're still sometimes getting recognized. Like we, we were even in Cambodia and some little boys walked by and they're like, oh, those are the girls. And they were pointing at them. And I was like, oh my gosh, I would have never thought that in Cambodia they would have been recognized, you know, because I don't know, we didn't even have an audience from there really. But, um, and then just sometimes here in the grocery store, people will come up and say, oh, we watch your channel and, you know, stuff like that. Um, but it hasn't really like changed them in any way. Like they're, um, and if anything, it's developed a whole new skill for them because at the time we were, they were always watching YouTube videos and now they watch YouTube videos with like the purpose of like, oh, look at how they've done this or how they've done that because they're part of the editing process. So they do a lot of all the pre-edits on the videos and um, yeah, they're heavily involved with the production side as well. Yeah, it's interesting when you do something that you enjoy, right? Or like if you like, for example, with me with podcasting, I used to listen to podcasts all the time before I started this one. And then now when I hear a podcast, I'm almost like, oh, they're doing like this, like you you kind of like see it in a different light, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. My girls do all the time. And so yeah, they're they're looking at that aspect of it. And no, it's just great. Like, when you think of like, the art of storytelling, like they're starting to get more involved with that, because we're starting to incorporate that a little bit more into our video and stuff like that. And like, each one of them are they're unique, right? So Julia's okay to be on camera. Angelique is our middle child. She just doesn't enjoy it. And doesn't really want to, she'd rather be behind the scenes, if you will, you know, and then our Chloe, she's just like an actress. So she just, <laughs> she loves to be on it and has no problem being in front of camera. Right. So, yeah. Mm, and, um, how has like, you know, like I said, you guys have been doing this for four years, which is incredible. Congratulations on all of your success with the YouTube channel as well. But what has like, what have been some of your tips or kind of like hard learned lessons, uh, about YouTube for people that are listening in that want to grow some sort of an audience on YouTube? Um, ooh, cause we're still learning ourselves, right? Um, <laughs> well, you're always learning, right? Like we never stop learning. Yeah. I mean, like uh, just never give up, right? Like if you're going to, to start, you have to be in it for the really long haul because it takes so much effort. You know, some businesses you can start and you can turn a profit right away. And not to say that you can't do this with YouTube as well, but you really have to be in it for the long haul if you're going to do it. So don't start with that intention, like, oh, this is going to be easy and fast and, you know, really great. Compared to like, I look at our traditional business, it was a lot easier and uh, more lucrative and everything else, but it's not what we enjoy doing. It's not our passion. So you always have to, you have to also do it because you enjoy it and you love that aspect of it. Cause if not, you'll probably burn out, um, trying if you will. So that, and then like being consistent. I mean, like if we had the perfect magic wand, I'd be posting every day if I could, you know, that would be just mm. to, in terms of growth and being able to grow. Um, my husband was just saying the other day, there's like statistics that if you post daily, like speaking of podcasts, your increase is so much higher, you know, but we just don't have that ability, um, to post that much unless we were just doing lives every day or something like that, 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Because the production is a lot. Um, that, and then if I look back, I mean, our, our videos when we started were horrible. And uh, we met, we met um, a guy who has quite a huge following named Drew Binsky. We met him in Madrid and he's like, use a stabilizer, use a mic, you know, and it's like two <laughs> things that like we didn't use for a very long time. And I look back and I'm like, oh, what were we thinking, you know? <laughs> but anyway, right. it is what it is. It's authentic. <laughs> what about, you know, your experience with, you know, one of the things that you have said several times during our conversation is how you want to make YouTube your business. You don't want, you know, you kind of want to transition away from your current advertising business into YouTube. So what like, how are you actually making a business out of YouTube, right? A lot of people who are content creators on YouTube kind of just try to live off of the AdSense. But what are some of the other things that you guys have been doing to make it a business, you know, kind of create more uh, income streams based off of the YouTube? Yeah. So, um, well, everyone knows the word affiliate, right? So there are some affiliate programs that give you a residual income. And so remember I was saying at the beginning, like a lot of the times, like residual is key because selling a one time, it's okay. But if you can tap into any type of affiliate program that gives you a residual off of their sales, and of course it might change, like it, they could change the rules at any time. That's, that's a challenge and it's happened to us. But that's one of the things that we're going after is those type of affiliates that A, we believe in and we use, and it has to be like a good fit as well, right? Um, mm -hmm. But that's what we, we want to build that. And then sponsorships, like working with brands and companies that you, you like and you believe in and that you can easily promote. And then ideally, again, working with them on can we do a referral per whatever and and earn the commissions off of the sales. So that aspect of it. Um, and then for us, I mean, it's just when a cost uh, perspective, if you're looking at the cost of travel, even when we had such a small following, we were able to do pretty much like when we went to, we did Africa for four months and half of our travel was emailing some of the companies and the brands, like all the attractions we wanted to see and stuff. And we worked with them and did a cross promotion. So it didn't, it was at our, it was no cost for us. And mm. we would have gone there paying for it anyway. You know what I mean? So yeah. that aspect of it. Um, and then selling your courses. So if you have an audience, you can sell courses. Going down in the future, what we really want to do is own properties and be able to promote those to our audience. Because, you know, if you have a, a hot destination, um, somewhere in Mexico, let's say, and you have an audience, then you can drive them pretty much to wherever you want to showcase on your channel, right? And then, um, so we were approached by a company and it's so funny. Um, so many people that have YouTube channels, we're seeing them put this in their, in their videos, right? And it's for registering domains and websites. I'm like, man, that's what we do. So I'm like, I'm going to make my own commercial, <laughs> put in my own video and sell my own product, you know? So like you could, mm. once you have a, an established brand and, and audience and such, then you can drive them to whatever product you want. You know, a lot of people talk about merchandise or this or that, but yeah, I mean, there's all different aspects of how you can, um, you know, diversify off of just your ad rev video. And how has YouTube impacted your travels? Because I did, um, like, for about a few months, I did, like, some vlogging experience on my YouTube. And one of the things that I noticed was that I ended up being more active. Like, I was doing more things, even though I was kind of, like, 
you know, in my city that's kind of boring because like it's, you know, you grew up in it and so you don't really do much. But when I was vlogging, I was like, okay, I need to find something to do for content, right? And so I was doing and trying these different things. Um, how have you found that running a YouTube that's all about travel has actually impacted your travel? Like how has it changed what you do on a day-to-day basis, uh, you know, when you're going from location to location? Well, from my perspective, I'll give it from all of our perspectives. So um, I'll talk about my husband first. So he just wants to go through <laughs> his goals to visit every country in the world and kind of check it off the list and and say he's done it, right? And for me, I was never really fully on board with that. I was like, yeah, I can go along for most of the part, but there's a lot of countries like forget about it, right? But now that we have a YouTube channel, it's giving me purpose like, yeah, okay, I do want to go to certain countries just because then I can showcase it, share what they're mm-hmm. like and what they're living like. Um, so that's from my perspective. So it's giving me a purpose. And like you said, when you're in these places, places, then you end up seeing more and doing more because you're wanting to share it with your audience, right? Um, From my girls' perspective, though, they're now learning more. So before they were kind of like, you know, dragging kids around is one thing, but if they're there to share it and they're wanting to share maybe something about the history or some fun facts about the place and stuff, it's giving them more of a reason to to be there as well. So it's more fun in that regards for them. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like I mean, I've heard this quote before of like, you learn the best when you, you know, try to like teach something, right? Like it's almost like in the retelling of something, you learn it best. And I can definitely see that, you know, know, they're teaching a geography course, right? So now like when some tour guide is talking about some something that might have been boring before, now they're like all perked up because like, oh, how can I pass this on? (laughs) Well, yeah, and we would play games. So at first when we used to travel and our kids were really young, we'd be like, right, if you guys can say like three things that we learned from this tour, because we'd always like do usually the walking tours. Most cities have those free walking tours. Mm -hmm. And I love it because it's usually a local person and they, they bring you to all the spots and it's a great way to see the city and then go out on your own. So anyway, we would say to our kids, like this is pre- YouTube. Um, if you guys can tell us three cool things that they talked about, then we're going to get you an ice cream. And they'd be like, all right. And they'd be like totally up at the front, like listening and then trying to remember some of the cool things. Um, and now it's more like, okay, remember like three fun facts so that we can share it after on our channel. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So in wrapping up, I'm, I would really like to sort of like finish with a few quick tips or, you know, whatever your advice is from having traveled, you know, 80 plus countries now uh, with your kids. If there's anybody who's listening who maybe has kids and now is working remotely because of COVID and is considering doing this or somebody who, you know, is maybe thinking about having kids and is already traveling and doesn't want to abandon that lifestyle, what are some of the tips or lessons that you've learned that you'd like to pass on to them to make their life easier? Yeah, the biggest tip I would say is, um, you know, use home exchange. There's other sites like that called Love Home Swap, People Like Us, um, Holiday Swap, although that one uh, I haven't fully figured out. But there's different platforms that you can use. And those are great. If you have kids, it's the best way to stay in a home, experience a culture, and you don't have to give up that comfort of home you know, mm. you don't have to sell everything and go full time. It's a good way to get your feet wet and to see the world and still be in home. So that's tip number one. Um, tip number two, if, if you can be location independent and be anywhere, I would say like open, do an open uh, booking if you can to certain countries so that you can go and if you enjoy it, 
stay a bit longer and not be boxed into like having to come back or what have you. Um, it just gives you that freedom of travel that is quite enjoyable. And uh, let's see, what else could I give them as a tip? Do you have any well, tips just- for the actual, like, I think one of the things that really stresses parents out is like, oh my God, I have the kid and I have to get on this plane, on this airplane and go through airport and security. And I feel like this is like sort of like the really stressful, you know, event of traveling with kids. Do you have any tips for that part of the travel experience? Um, well, Lego is always a good thing and you can put it in like a little <laughs> Ziploc bag and you can put it in your purse. So that's like a, and if you bring like the base, I, I'm talking young kids, okay? But if you bring the base of the Lego thing, it's great because then you're on a plane and you can keep them occupied. Of course, now everyone has phones and iPads, so I guess that could be a replacement too, right? <laughs> but you don't want your kids on your devices like all the time. Um, that and then like traveling with kids is actually easy. I mean, you get first on the plane, and and people are more forgiving. I mean, if you have a child and they're screaming or whatever, it's like. I mean, I'm probably the wrong mom to to ask because our kids, <laughs> I remember, I remember we would do these long trips, like once we were coming up from Florida driving and it's a long time for kids to be in a car and we had yeah. stopped to use bathrooms and this lady looked at me and she's like, ma'am, your kids are like crawling up the walls or something like this. And I was like, well, yeah, they've just been in a car. Like for me, I was like, that's normal, you know, like just be relaxed about it. Like, don't worry, you know, just, eh. And they grow up fast. So like, just don't worry about it. Like, don't worry about all those little things. Don't worry about if like, they have to be in bed at a certain time, like kids will sleep anywhere. That was the one biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, some of my friends are like, Oh, my kid has to I have to go home because my kid has to sleep. I'm like, No, they don't. They can sleep in their car seat. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, (laughs) my kids are fine, you know, and they they slept many times like anywhere. Um, So we weren't those parents that went home at a certain time because our kids had to go to bed like that was definitely not us um but some people are like some people are more rigid and structured but i mean if you can be more relaxed uh, like just relax you know what's interesting about that is that's something that we've also noticed you know living here in bulgaria is that in the u.s i feel like and to be honest i've noticed this less now with like younger couples that have kids like i'll see them like i'll be at a brewery and they'll be like you know a mom with like a baby that's like you know three months old at the brewery you know like that's becoming more and more normal. But one of the things that we've noticed here in Bulgaria is that parents are kind of living their lives and their kids are there with them, right? Like there's, it's very popular to have like a play set or something like that at a restaurant here in Bulgaria because the parents are there for, you know, how European dinners are, you know, two, three hours and the kids go off and they do their thing and they stay out late. And I, it, it's even funny when you're saying this about kids fall asleep anywhere. I have a picture. I don't know where, I don't know how old I must have been, maybe like five or something like that. But my parents were out having a good time and they brought me along and, you know, other parents had kids there as well. And I had just fallen asleep like at the table, you know, and they were yeah. having their good time and I was just sleeping and I, you know, taking my nap. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I, mean, yeah, that's I totally I agree up. with that. I grew up as well the same way. Like if we were at a place and I was tired as a child, I would literally fall asleep on the chair beside my mom and they were, but, and I find that that's such a beautiful way because your kids kind of go around your life, not your Mm -hmm. life changing to their life. Um, But of course, a lot of people who like structure and um, it might not be for them. Right. But for those of you who can be like that, I mean, it's just beautiful. So, yeah. Well, Chantel, thank you so much for coming on. This has been uh, so fun. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure the people that are listening have as well. Let people know, though, where can they find out more about you guys? Where can they follow uh, your travels uh, and just, uh, you know, 
find you on the internet. Yeah, definitely. So under growingupwithoutborders.com, there is a sign up box. Um, some of the behind the scenes videos get released there if they're on our newsletter. Also on YouTube, of course, under Growing Up Without Borders, that's where most people can follow the journey and see where we're off to next. And so, yeah, anything growing up without borders. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I'm definitely a subscriber of the YouTube channel and I, and I look forward to seeing more of your travels. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on the show. 